Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today's podcast is going to be about Amy, directed by Asif Kapadia. Asif Kapadia. Um, And also, this podcast isn't actually going to be a review, it's going to be more of an analysis, just like our recent one, Inception. Fan and, uh, Pan <laughs> Labyrinth, obviously. Yeah, so I'm just gonna. We, I guess we can do our first initial thoughts on the documentary. I'll go to me first. Um, I obviously watched, uh, listened to Amy's music before I watched this documentary. Thought she was an amazing artist, and I did know that she did die of like I thought it was a drug overdose, which later on I realised it wasn't. It was alcohol poisoning, but. Um, I didn't really know much into her life, really. Um, so then when I watched this documentary, uh, I was quite shocked of actually how how manipulative her dad and the people, the peers that she was surrounded around, uh, around throughout her life as like a famous artist. Um, and I love how the documentary shows her from being, you know, just a normal girl in Camden and London to then become this big star worldwide, which she didn't want. She just wanted to be a jazz artist. Uh, to then that eventually, you know, overwhelming her and lead to her death. Um, Owen, what was your first? Uh... Um, yeah, so I think this is, has one of my favorite documentaries. Um, I think it's really effective in crafting the narrative purely through digital and archival footage. And the interviews are really moving and very effective as well. Um, I think he managed to achieve a really great, well, Asif Padia managed to achieve a really great consistent tone throughout that is really effective in like pushing his sort of ideology further. Um, and I think overall it's very solid and pretty fantastic look at, at, at sort of like recontextualizing this woman's life after it's been so misconstrued through the media and through the public's eye. And I think it does, it is like succeeds in that entirely. Um, yeah, that's what I really have to say about it. And what about you, Daniel? Yeah, I thought it was pretty great. It's probably also my one of my favorite uh, documentaries I've seen. Um, I kind of knew, I was like, I obviously recognized the track from AB Winehouse, but I didn't really associate it with her as a person. I think this, this that's what makes this documentary so great is how it, it tells the full backstory and kind of the full, uh, realization of Amy's life, um, despite what the media was saying at the time, and it definitely kind of it shows her in a more positive light than maybe what some people would have would have done in the first place. And it also made me despise paparazzi. But yeah, no, it's a it's a pretty great, pretty great, well well put together documentary. Yeah, and no, I agree. Um... I mean, talking about paparazzi. You can really, you can really see throughout the uh, documentary how they like completely ruined her life, especially through just, you know, her privacy and stuff. Yeah, I think, it's, what, it's, um, it's, I think what Kapali does quite great with uh, like the sound manipulation in in the film is where a lot of kind of the flashes and all these camera shutters that are coming um, from the paparazzi are they. He kind of makes them sound like like shells from war or whatever. So it's, it's quite. Oh yeah. Of, well, it, okay. you, you have that sort of kind of aggressive, aggressive that, sound. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Ryan. How did that? So well, no, but like <laughs> you know what I mean. And it kind yeah. of, <laughs> it's quite it's quite it's quite a striking juxtaposition between very calming scenes of 
just her yeah. and her everyday life. And then she just suddenly bombarded by all this paparazzi that just yeah. basically abusing her. So I think the sound manipulation was definitely a key part of um Kapadia's kind of influence. And and just and um I mean Kapa- can I just quickly say Capaldi on sound. <laughs> yeah, for- uh he does that he does that quite uh, uh he does it really well, especially with um in his other one, uh, Maradona. He does a great center as well. And... He does it good. I mean, sound is one of the key components of him because it's, it's, it's a musical, because it's about, you know, a musical artist. Exactly. And the, one of, the, the way he sort of crafts narrative, apart from the digital footage, is through voiceovers from people in her life. These um, um, different technology, the way Asa Kapadja also creates narrative through sound is through the voiceovers from Mitch Winehouse, um, her boyfriends, her managers, her friends. Um, and he backs this up through the footage. And it's interesting hearing these play off with one another because some of them are very contradictory. And without them knowing, they are portraying themselves in a negative light. And that's mainly prominent with Mitch Winehouse and um, what's his name? Her boyfriend. What, what, what's the boyfriend's name? Blake. Um, yeah. And I know, um, I know Mitch obviously had quite a lot of negative feedback towards the film after it was released. He was saying he did, he did. that he doesn't agree with the way he was um, shown and how the footage was kind of recontextualized by. Uh, Kapadia in certain moments, uh, key moments of um, Amy's life. They, they, it, it really effectively establishes like different point of views and like, mm. like sort of, sort of expresses the public's perception of her in a very small scale. Um, yeah. By hearing these conflicting opinions about her and uh, different experiences, and, and seeing how like she she touched uh, like people's lives. That's kind of similar to, I guess, kind of Michael Moore's kind of. Um, angle on this like filmmaking with um, a very he he often does a very kind of one sided argument in his document yeah giving giving very um, kind of subjective opinions and also and, uses, and interviews um, yeah and he also recontextualizes the footage to then um, create meaning or just mm. you know, give give more um, give more emphasis to certain but where where, where um, Michael Moore and Asuka Pyro sort of set aside is the lack of presence by Capaldia. It's very, yeah. in, in that sense, it's more of a Kim Loginoto-style documentary and a bit of a more observational take on um, the genre. And so in, what would you say is a Kim Loginoto-style? Uh, well, as I said, an observational style of documentary filmmaking, where the subject's not, it's, it's very verite style. It's, the filmmaker does not get involved with the subject, it's, it merely observes it and lets the viewer come to their own conclusion. But in this situation, he combines Michael Moore's techniques with Kim Loginotis to create his new sort of expositional style of documentary, um, which is really effective in communicating this message. You mentioned earlier, Finley, the use of paparazzi um, footage, and that is a prominent example of digital technology. Um, and where I think, I think digital technology is one of the key aspects of the film. I think it's very contradictory in its use of paparazzi footage. Because while it is also condemning the paparazzi with its narrative about how it affected Amy, it is also using the paparazzi footage of Amy and like giving it money and like in- endorsing it. I suppose also kind of with the with the digital era, you have a lot more people using their phones to um, kind of record yeah. incidents themselves. And that's obviously in a, in a new age of technology, which wasn't as prevalent when Amy was around. So a lot of the, a lot of the um, opinions that people had on Amy were very one-sided because the the most they saw of her was through the media. All they saw was the pictures the paparazzi yeah. was taking, not any other moments in her life where she's making a positive change or she's actually battling this addiction. She was only ever captured with 
um, all these kind of negative influences in her life. And with a, with a newer age where people have their phones and they can record any sort of event at any time, that's um, kind of becoming less and less um, kind of uh, important, I guess. Definitely um, allows for more personal insight into these people's yes, lives. Yeah. Um, I think without the digital, like without the home video footage, without the archived footage, there's no way we'd have got a more personal like identification mm. of Amy, but yeah. hence before fame, um, and see how that affects her with fame. And there's very good um, contrasting and juxtaposition used there. Yeah. Um, anything you want to add to that, Finley? Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. No. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I was. Um, I was just doing something. Uh, paparazzi. I agree with Dan. I think Dan make a good point that we only see Amy, uh, the media's view of Amy, and not really anything. Uh, not her, you know, battling this this addiction. Whereas this, what this documentary does well is it does show like inside footage from people that knew her of her being just a normal, ordinary girl who, you know, is trying to do what she loves but obviously it's interesting watching um the documentary again and seeing just how unprepared she was for that fame she was about to receive with back to black and rehab yeah. like there's an interview that she had um another great of archive footage of uh, an interview where she said like you know she was asked about you know the idea of fame and being photographed constantly she said like i'm not about that life i'm just like i want to say grounded and also her dream was to just perform in front of small crowds and like in small jazz clubs and then seeing just like the explosion of like an excess in um, attention that she received and how that must have affected her so negatively. That was also quite difficult for Kapadia in kind of creating this documentary in the first place because a lot of um, a lot of interviews or essentially Amy just once back back to black was released. So Mm. it was really hard for them to get kind of footage of her her personal opinion on like kind of the album sales and kind of how like the fame she was getting, it was quite hard to kind of get that across in the documentary. It also much the, the 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 lack of like very commercial things that she was doing. She was focusing a lot more on her personal life with her relationships and her drug addiction. It also must be like hard to just start this documentary. Like if you think about it, like he had to find the right people to interview to then, to then negatively lead, lead to other people to interview and yeah. have this sort of branch and like different routes away it, it from very, the main It was very person. kind of trust built. He would, he would yeah. sit with one in a dark room. He wouldn't record them at all, hence the kind of voice of God style expository documentary. Mm. Um, and he would sit, sit them basically in the dark and say, you can like get it off your chest or whatever, whatever you want to say. It, 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 it's more of a therapy session in, in a way than yeah. an interview. Because the, the, he uh, comments that he kind of felt that, that, that the person he was interviewing felt much more kind of weightless, although you could see that they were a lot happier after the interview was finished. There was obviously a lot of this pain uh, building up in all, all the people connected to Amy as they um, maybe blame themselves or maybe blamed other people for her death. He also, he, he demanded, as Kabadi demanded complete creative control over this, which I think was a very um, essential in this style of documentary. He yeah. couldn't let any interference with them from Universal Studios. He couldn't let any like opinions of the interviewees change. You know the narrative. He had to always stick to a, a particular narrative. But in a way, he doesn't, and that's where the film sort of conflicts with itself. He 
he at one point he still have a specific viewpoint of the media is responsible, Blake is responsible, Mitchell is responsible. But then he's balancing it all out to suggest that everyone's responsible. You see, like interviews with Graham Norton and how he like mocks Amy's uh, yeah. like delusional state, and then we see like especially what one of the most striking instances is an earlier performance from Amy on the Jay Leno show, and then a year a year later he's like mocking her. And it's just shown how quickly the public turned on her for something that just mm. wasn't her fault. And the way Asif Kapadia does that through montage editing, through like these different sound techniques we'll talk about earlier, Daniel, and yeah. like slow motion to emphasize the emotion and heighten the sort of tragedy of it all. And sort of brings out a sort of like melancholic regret from the people watching at home. I definitely say that slow motion is used way more effectively in her kind of death scene. Used to kind of, it, it definitely like emphasizes the pain that her family was feeling for when her her brother is kind of walking out and is when he starts crying. I mean, I I, I even feel like I'm during that scene because it feels very obtrusive. Brother, like, yeah, brother. yeah. Of course, she had a brother. Yeah, she had a brother. What's her brother? <laughs> Did you watch the country? What's her brother? I did. She did. <laughs> Wait, is uh, her first manager? Talking about Amy uh, here. Did, not, not did you think like her brother was Blake or something? <laughs> no. Who's her brother? The, the guy uh, her that appears at the end and starts crying in the middle of the. He's, he's like there. Like oh, it, that... it doesn't appear for long. It, it looks like uh, you know, the guy. Her, her brother refused her direct. Because he 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 didn't he didn't he didn't think it was like a good idea to make documentaries. He he refused all interview. So Asis Kapadia sort of like, in my opinion, revolutionised documentaries in terms of making his craft his own style, which was very influenced by his um, feature film backgrounds. He conjured up this sort of idea of thing called true fiction, which is essentially a narrative that is constructive, constructed from like interviews and <sighs> like 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 archived footage. Um, and the, the, there's a really lack of overall guiding voice throughout the documentary. There's, there's no, there's no like overall narrator. It's very disjointed in terms of its presentation. And the idea of true fiction is you use this dis- disjointed clips and um, voiceovers to manage to craft a narrative that a spectator would easily understand. And that's done, in my opinion, most effectively in Amy. I haven't seen Senna, but I have seen, and I know you have Daniel. But I have seen um, Diego, that it's pretty good, so. Diego Maradona, and I, and it, it was a bit more harder to follow on Diego Maradona, but it's very easy to follow on Amy. I don't, I don't know what you what Senna's like, Daniel. But uh, Senna, my my experience with Senna got ruined because I watched the extended edition, which I don't recommend you doing, mm. and it completely interrupts the, the pace of the film with with like random interviews, like slam slap bang in the middle of all the action. So you, so you, you buy the, have, like, the extended version, though. Well, yeah, I got the I got the Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, that's really but, your fault then. <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't realize I didn't realize the extended would just have like your research flat bang in the middle of the music. Mm. So, no, it, it definitely kind of ruined the pace for me with that. Um, yeah. Well, that's a lesson. Sorry, to wait, wait, wait. Your what, what was your point that I had to say on Senna? No, I, I, I was just saying, like, is is um like true fiction present there? Is it effectively done there? What do you mean by true fiction? I, mean? I, 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 I wouldn't I, say I, it's true fiction. I, I, I just explained it. Go <laughs> again. So true fiction is constructing a narrative 
purely through um, um, like different clips and voiceovers that don't don't have one overall guiding narrator. I wouldn't say that. I would say that Senna is a lot more linear and has is not from the perspective of any one person. It is the events of Senna and his life from the eyes of. Would yeah, you say Amy is not like that? No, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I was about to say, from from the interview we had with Capaldi, we we had we managed an interview with him. Um, not 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 just us, with like loads of other um, students. And what he said, but the way he said he like talk about true fiction was as if, um, like he sort of, he sort of invented it with Amy and developed it with Amy. Um, and I percent did because with Amy, there's no narrator. There's no one guiding you through these stories. And it, well, in a sense, it's Amy doing that. There's a lot of just there's a lot of interviews playing with just Amy talking about what she's thinking about at the time, and also through her lyrics, which are displayed on screen through effective editing with her subtitles, like you know, re- recontextualizing yeah. her songs. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's very effective. So it's like, so it's if I'm getting an understanding, it's like describing a narrative with no help, if that makes sense. So like no yeah. narrator, yeah. no narrator, no. It just um, you just got to follow it along with all the interviews. So we ha- we have already talked about documentary theories like Kim Longinotto, Michael Moore, um, Nick Broomfield, Bloomfield, yeah. But what I wanted to ask you two was, how do you think, I'll give an example, Michael Moore's um, theory of documentary has influenced your understanding of Asif Kapadia's documentary? So his one's expository. Expository, yeah. Um, expository was... Uh, as of, well, um, Michael Moore, is it Michael Moore? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He personally, obviously, in most of his documentaries, he's the main subject and he's the one going to investigate things. But in As of Kapadia, he uses Expo's head story as he makes the the interviewee the main subject and the main like voiceover person like they don't have an initial voiceover it's a it's just the interviews and then each each scene is the interviews you know um own personal view on amy and them knowing her throughout her yeah. life yeah exactly that's what exposed to yeah so what 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 you're building on there is the idea of your and getting involved with documentary because obviously michael moore's a performative documentarian um, and he obviously expresses his very political bias. He, his document is very one-sided. As of Kapadia, as we can see, and we can compare to Michael Moore's, and we can see that he takes a very neutral stance on um, his subjects. That said, he did say in an interview once that um, he, from just him and a couple of interviews with some people, he, he, like, he, he thinks he knows Amy so well that he knows when people are close to her lying. And then he, he'd... He'd tell them straight up, like, I, I know you're lying to me, tell me the truth. And that could mm. be argued that he's manipulating the narrative because they might be telling the truth and he just assumes they isn't, but it might better suit his narrative. So you could argue there's hints of a performance documentary because he is, he is performing a very one-sided bias against the media, against Blake, against Mitch. True. Um, um, something to think about. Yeah. Oh, 
what did I say? Um, what was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say about participatory, um, formative, and participatory? Well, yeah, I would say obviously he. You could say that he doesn't. You know, he's not the main subject, uh, like influencing the truth. But you could say about like her dad after the film was made, he didn't think it was true and sort of got influenced towards yeah. this unrealistic, um, or it wasn't really unrealistic, but what he thought her life went was completely wrong to what Capadia thought. And, and by doing that, he confirmed what Capadia was telling about him. He showed, it showed them it was um, a liar and a manipulator and just a really bad influence on Amy in general and mm-hmm. basically used her for, for profit, which is a very tragic thing and definitely influenced in her death. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, do you want to add to that? I yeah, well, I'll definitely say that um, in terms of Michael Moore, it's more kind of contextualising the footage and um, well, that's like something that he does, whereas... Um, Capardia kind of does something similar where he's he's changing the footage so he'll have a he'll have a clip of um Amy saying oh yeah I really need to go to rehab or something and like it was it was getting bad or like one of her friends saying that and then um immediately followed up by a clip of um maybe her dad saying well like she didn't need to go out at the time and it wasn't that bad so that's still portraying um her father in kind of a more negative light and it's definitely um recontextualizing these people to um, make them seem like villains or make them seem like the enemies of the story. It's and that great. obviously um, coincides with the true with the true fiction genre that Capadia um, yeah, yeah. not not created, but he kind of follows um, he, where no, he's, I, I would he's, say I would say he revolutionized it. Yeah, he's creating a he's creating a narrative from all these factual events and he's still creating like maybe a villain or a hero of the sto- story. Yes, um, just yeah. by using archive footage, which is quite clever, and other it, documentary. It's techniques. interesting how he either uses voiceovers to recontextualize footage, or footage to recontextualize recontextualize voiceovers. Yeah, um, I would give an example would be in the Camden sequence when with Blake, um, the, the the images of you know doing crack cocaine on an Oyster cards, and just that yeah. one terrifying shot of just Amy just staring at the camera in a very vulnerable position. With, oh, with yeah. no with no voiceover, there was no way we could know what was going on, and what what that meant for Amy, and with what what can I say about the the Grammy sequence, um when um Amy is accepted a Grammy and she walks off stage from her friend Juliet, we hear her say that backstage Amy said to her, "This would have been so much better if I was on drugs at the moment," and yeah. that's where, that's where we can the footage, showing that appearances don't equate to you know behind the scenes, um, mm. especially in the eyes of the media. And that makes it, the, it gives a very tragic tone to what should have been a very celebra- celebratory event with winning the Grammy from her hero. And it just shows how, yeah. how like, how obsessed she how was. How far in she is to yeah. the to yeah. addiction. Exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> while he does adopt some of the performative techniques from Michael Moore, he does also adopt some Kim Noinoto's techniques in terms of observational documentary. He, while he, it could be argued he has a bit of a bias behind the scenes and especially with following interviews, he does try and take a very neutral stance on the entire thing and remains as unobtrusive, unobtrusive as possible, uh, aside yeah. from the voiceovers, 
but there's not really anyone to obtrude because obviously Amy had passed away and he only has archive footage to work with. Um, so in that sense, you could argue it is half an observational documentary and half an expository. You could also consider it to be more obtrusive because you have the shots for, such as at the very beginning of the film, mm. you have shots from inside Amy's house and that's obviously footage that would have been kept very kind of private and personal to Amy and um, I understand that like Kapadi had to do a lot of kind of digging and persuading to get that footage actually uh, for him to use in the documentary but that's kind of a more considering that what people's impression of um, Amy w- would have been gathered mostly from what the media was saying and their their kind of take on it so her like constant addiction it's very um, it's obviously quite quite obtrusive to her life as yeah, as a, as a singer, oh, I, I would say I do agree with you there, but apparently that first piece of footage was given to him without asking, like from by friends. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I fully agree with you, and also mm. it, but it does do it's very effective in giving a more personal insight into her life and giving yeah. us reasons as to why she did what she did. Um, and it, it, it could, uh, you could, uh, the, like, you're sort of left with the debate of, am I better off knowing this or not? Do I want to know why she? Because in, in a sense, the truth is harder to learn the, the fiction, like just yeah. how damning it was. Like it's, it's a very very depressing sorrow story. Um, but it, it luckily, Capaldi does a really great great job with the ending sequence to make sure we remember yeah. her for who she was as a talent. Um, this was a key in that ending sequence because he specifically doesn't use a song mm-hmm. uh, by Winehouse. He uses a um, just like a he's just kind of a, a, a non diegetic yeah. track, kind of just yeah, yeah, a, yeah. an instrumental track. Um, and I think that's quite effective in kind of st- still saying that like she shouldn't be remembered um, just for her music or just for kind of her media appearance, but for herself as a person and her yeah. just talent in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that about wraps up for today's podcast. Would you say so, Daniel? Oh, yeah, that should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 be fine. Um, we hope you enjoyed. We'll get some ratings from, unfortunately, Finley is uh, um, not with us at the moment, but let's shoot if we get. <laughs> he's not dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he, he, he just gone for a quick bite to eat. Um, yeah. a, a cheeky little snack. Yeah, that cheeky little snack. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to assume he gave it a eight out of ten. Yeah, that would that would be my my rating as well. I'd and give it I would give it an eight point five. Um, cool. just just, just, what, just what's the point five for? What what is the point five? The end the point five because I I I couldn't like I the amount of sympathy I felt. For after watching it for the first time is unbelievable. Then as it goes yeah. on, and as I realise, as like I, I watch it over and over again, there are definitely some flaws, but I can't yeah. ignore how much impact it had on me the first time. So hence it loses a loses a uh, one point five rating. But yeah, mm-hmm. we hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.